Episode 9, GQ Gem. Welcome to Radio War Stories. In every episode, hosts Dave Jagger and Don Nelson reach into their arsenal of decades of radio experience to entertain you with their most amusing, enthralling, and interesting stories. Suit up and get ready for today's episode. In detail in just a couple of minutes. Are you guys ready for this? Ready. This professor at UCLA Mm -hmm. has recorded thousands of cases of male lactation. And he says (laughs) the future holds that children will routinely be breastfed by their fathers. I don't want to know about this. I don't want to see that in public. I'm starting to. Yeah. Junior. John, don't do that. No, John, no, don't do that. In the train station. Come here, Billy. You're looking a little hungry. You know, the women, the women breastfeeding in public. It's a beautiful that's, thing. I yeah, I don't, I don't think there are going to be a lot of comments like that that's made. Oh, isn't awesome. that? It's just natural. Yeah. It's very natural. It's, it's a beautiful, well, natural yeah, thing. Let me scratch my gut. Yeah. Uh, Come here, Billy. <laughs> Weather is next on W Light. The first time Did you like that opening bit? Yeah. Pretty amazing that you could actually get away with that uh, back in that day. This is why the general manager didn't like us. <laughs> hey, this I, is an adult contemporary radio station, Dave and Jerry. You know, during my time in L.A., my, my, my morning guy was Robert W. Morgan. Oh. And Robert uh, had did not think his shift was complete unless he had pissed off at least a half dozen organizations and or people. Well, uh, the only time that really happened badly for us was and we hadn't been there but a few weeks. uh, And so we were still kind of trying to learn to work together. She had done uh, traffic watch in San Antonio when we were there. But um, there was a big um, Native American annual convention down by the river and they had a big powwow and uh jerry said oh yeah that'll be fun a lot of uh, native americans running around and she went oh boy oh no oh boy uh we had to meet with the tribal leaders and apologize on the air and apologize to them and that one was well when i worked with robert uh my drive in in the morning was to just figure out who I had to deal with that day because I knew by the time I got to my desk, the phone was going to be ringing from somebody. (laughs) Sign a few checks. Take care of Robert W. Morgan's uh, snafus on the air. (laughs) He was a great talent, though, an amazing, amazing guy. Truly was. And if you've never heard it, it's online. You can actually download the very first um, copy of uh, the history of rock and roll. Right. Voiced by Robert W. Morgan. Right. What a wonderful thing that that was. God, it was great to listen to. And KTSA in San Antonio ran the first one on a Labor Day weekend. And I remember I was outside painting the house or part of it or something for my mom and just listened to that all weekend long. It was the best thing to do for over the weekend. And it, it gave the jocks on the air a little bit of a break. Actually, I hated it because when it came out, of course, 
we were at the country station, and oh, everybody was everybody listening was to the listening. history of rock and roll. Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, there wasn't anything like that at the time for country. Which uh, brings me to moving to uh, Grand Rapids. We've kind of followed your journey and ownership and all the cool things. You've got so many great stories. I wish mine equaled what Don tells us all the time and every week. But here on Episode 9, I'm going to kind of... Uh, briefly describe our journey to San An- to from San Antonio to uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Big, big market like San Antonio to a medium market like Grand Rapids. But they made it worth our while. And we initially thought, well, if we take this job, we're going to maybe stay a year or two. I'll get to that a little bit later on after 24 years or 20 plus years of being on the air in Grand Rapids. So, uh, the things were kind of going sour. The radio station was for sale uh, in San Antonio, KLLS, Class FM. Mm-hmm. And so they decided, uh, unbeknownst to the rest of us, that the station was for sale. And we were purchased by a company out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Swanson Broadcasting. Right, right. Of the Swanson TV Dinner. Swanson family. TV Dinners, that's right. exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Gary Swanson. Yeah, and uh, never met that band, but he was the head of the broadcast uh, part of it as well. So we sold to Swanson. Swanson did own a big country 50,000 watt blowtorch in San Antonio, KKYX. Uh-huh. And KKYX was run by a guy by the name of Bill Rohde, who I'd always admired. He did a lot of TV commercials in San Antonio for some of the car dealerships. Uh, did mornings on, before it was KKYX, KBAT, which was a true MOR radio station. Uh, but at any rate, KKYX came on the air. They hired new talent, and uh, Swanson owned it and ended up purchasing Class FM. And they decided they were going to move KKYX from the sticks out in Bernie, where they were, to join us there in San Antonio in that facility where the FM was, Class FM. And this was an AM, 50,000, keep that in mind, for KKYX. So they moved in, they tore everything up, they made the studios completely different. But after a few months and we lost our consultant, he didn't want to deal with Swanson for whatever reason. I was still working mornings, Jerry was flying traffic watch morning and afternoon, and the the radio station was really about to implode. It really was. Uh, so we started looking around. And somebody, a friend of mine, sent a tape to a consultant who lived in Michigan in the Detroit area and uh, handed our tape to a guy by the name of Jim Jensen. Jim Jensen was the general manager of WLHTFM in Grand Rapids. It's the only station owned by Liggett Broadcasting. And... Uh, he invited me up one weekend. I said, okay. So I flew up, and it was cold. It was before spring. It was, I think, in March, and it was rainy and cold. It wasn't snowing, but it was rainy and cold, and I just didn't particularly care for the weather. And he, he tried his best to wine and dine me, but I said, you know, let me go home and ask the wife. I went back home, and I said, Jerry, this is not the place for us I 180 degrees weather-wise, and uh, so I said, I don't think so. A couple of weeks later, he calls me back. He said, I really would like you to, to consider coming to work for us. Uh, tell you what, he said, uh, it's starting to get nice up here. I know the weather was less than perfect. He said, why don't you bring uh, your wife with you? Bring Jerry with you, and we'll visit again. 
Well, this particular weekend was a couple of three weeks into the spring, and it was beautiful. I mean, blue skies. He took us along the lakeshore of West Michigan, which was, you know, a 30-minute drive, and sat out on this beautiful lawn at this wonderful restaurant looking over Lake Makatawa on one side, and behind us was Lake Michigan, and just absolutely wonderful. And Jerry was starting to like this place. She's looking around, and she's going... This doesn't look too bad. Hey, I'm starting to like it just listening to it, right? <laughs> it, was, it was really, really nice. And Michigan is a beautiful state anyway. So uh, we decided, close enough, things were getting ready to really explode at uh, Class FM. So we said, okay. So we moved up there after hemming and hawing around and hiring an attorney to look over our contracts and so forth. And... Uh, which was probably the best money I ever spent uh, to get that guy. He was a radio guy, so he knew exactly what to ask for. What what year was this? This is 1984. Okay. And uh, so we moved up there, and right at the end of summertime in 1984, and uh, <laughs> we rolled into the uh, hotel that they had booked for us with our two little kids. Our daughters were four and two at the time. And we rolled into the hotel, got out of the car, and it was like, I don't know, 55, 60 degrees, if that, which up there is beautiful weather for that time of the year as a, uh, fall approaches. That was summer, both days, and right? It was cold for us. <laughs> so we jumped on board, got in there. They had hired Jerry, and Jerry always said this. She said, they hired me as an afterthought. Since she had been doing traffic in San Antonio, they thought, well, why don't you guys do the morning show together? But, Jerry, you primarily focus on traffic and some things like that. So, okay, so we didn't really have, kind of like what you had done back in Indianapolis, I think you, or one of your markets, you said you would tune into the other radio station to get a lot of traffic and information and stuff like that. Yeah, we stole it. Yeah, right. Yeah, we were doing the same thing on some of the other radio stations that had traffic set up at particular times so she'd write all that stuff down and we'd jump right in after they <laughs> delivered on the other stations like we were on top of it too uh gq jim is what we call this guy jim jensen was a gentleman certainly but he was impeccably dressed don now i look at a lot of pictures of you during your years uh, as a broadcaster not only on the air but as general manager you were impeccably dressed well, that's because I specialized in dealing with the men's clothing stores as my accounts. Ah, <laughs> I see. A little bit of, little bit of trade there going on. Yeah. Uh, so Jim was that way, too. And uh, we loved Jim, but he was very soft-spoken. When he spoke to you, he was very, very soft-spoken. Never raised his voice, ever. He would get mad, and when he did, he was so Swedish that he would just turn red. I mean, this guy was so white, he was almost opaque. And uh, so, but I never saw him really get mad, raise his temper, uh, or, or certainly raise his voice. His temper got up there. So Jim was a great, great general manager. He hired uh, the guy that uh, would replace him, Phil Catlett, from, uh, as our uh, sales manager and ended up becoming our general manager. And he loved playing golf. He looked like Payne Stewart. You know, Payne Stewart was one of these guys that if you looked at him as a golfer, he was just always impeccably dressed as well. That's the way Jim was too. Uh, but he became a good friend, helped us buy our first house, and so did Bob Liggett. They actually kind of gave us a little 
under the table bonus and said, here you go, guys, you know, help you buy your first house here in, in uh, Grand Rapids. And we moved into East Grand Rapids, which was a nicer neighborhood, and uh, uh, put our kids through school there. But Jim did his absolute best to keep us happy. We truly went in there on a two-year contract and thought, yeah, maybe we'll stay here for a couple of years, move on, see what else comes up. Kids are still young enough they're not attached to the community or schools. Well, they kept shoveling more money at us. Before our first year and a half was up, they had wanted to renegotiate our contracts. And you kept saying, oh, gee, guys, no more, please. Yeah, really, no oh, more you, money. I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm stitching enough of these dollar bills together to keep me warm in these cold winter nights. You don't have to give me any more. But they really were. I mean, Bob Liggett and Jim were both extremely nice to us, and we had a fantastic great run there for 20 years at that radio station and uh, really enjoyed every every single minute of it not probably didn't learn as much as I did by that time my skills were honed I think and of course learned working with my wife that everybody said how the heck can you do that I mean that's got to be horrible going home and you go to work with them as well and we had that all worked out too it worked Sweet. out very yeah, very great. well yeah, yeah. And as soon as the first book came out, I mean, we just blew the ratings up. Every woman in the whole West Michigan area was listening to us. And our adult 2554 numbers were amazing uh, because they loved listening to Jerry because she spoke her mind. She didn't really care. And uh, they loved it. And I, I remember down the road after we got a few different owners uh, the general manager got really mad at us one time, and he called up the owner, and he said, you're not going to believe what, what Jerry said on the air this morning. <laughs> she said, white trash. The guy that was the CEO of the company said, hell, I'm white trash. I don't care what she says. Leave him alone, Phil. <laughs> and I kind of appreciated that. Uh, for sure. You know, you alluded to a, a story that we had talked about uh, off mic earlier of the uh, traffic uh, in Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, we, our primary competitor there was WIBC. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jimmy Hilliard put up a helicopter for traffic reports, Ooh. which is very expensive. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, we weren't about to put up a helicopter also. One of uh, the our engineers came in and said, by the way, you know, they don't do their reports live. They record them, and they record them on this frequency that we monitor. So, you know, why don't we just use their traffic reports? So he said, hey, terrific, you know. And this went on for maybe six months. And uh, we had absolutely no expense, but we had great traffic reports. In those days, uh, the GMs from the various stations would always get together once a month or so for lunch. Sure, that was nice. Yeah, and we sat down. A friendly and, lunch. Right. Yeah. Jimmy Hilliard and I sat down for lunch at one of the local uh, beaneries. And uh, Jim says, got something for you to listen to. And he pulled out a little tape recorder, and it's one of our people giving a story of a serious traffic accident at a certain intersection in Indianapolis. And I said, and? He said, and it never happened. We made it up. You stole it from our feed. <laughs> Cut it out. 
I said, we got it, Jim. Understand. <laughs> Message received. <laughs> what did you do for traffic after that, though? Well, we had to spend some money. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> had to spend some money. Jerry loved doing traffic from the radios, for the radio station in San Antonio. She did traffic watch morning and afternoon. One day, I'm looking out the window to my right, and I see the traffic plane, and I picked up. I was able to communicate with Jerry while just over our, our Marty system, the Marty radios. And I said, hey, is, uh, is that you guys? Isn't that you and whoever her, her pilot was? And she goes, yeah. Can you look out the window and see us? I said, yeah, I see you guys. And about that time, I saw a twin engine, what we call a Cessna Skymaster. It's a push-pull. Right, sure. And it went right underneath their airplane i mean just maybe 50 75 feet underneath their airplane and i kind of paused and i clicked the mic and i said did you see that did you <laughs> see the airplane underneath you and she paused and i and said what airplane <laughs> so at that point all i could think of was we were that close from you know me being a widower and my children growing up without a mom, I mean, it was scary. Yeah. And uh, I'm really surprised air traffic controllers didn't separate them like that. So I don't know what happened there. But uh, as a pilot, it was freaking me out. And uh, boy, that scared me. That was the scariest thing I've ever seen. You know, both uh, Dave, you and I both uh, at one point had private pilot licenses. Yes. Well, you never lose your license. You just yep. lose your medical. Right. I, <laughs> I still have it, and I yeah. tried to get one of the new ones that they have, but they said, well, you got got to take a medical before, and I figured, really? Yeah, to get it replaced. Oh, so to get the thing replaced. Get okay. That happened with yeah. it. But uh, an interesting thing, we had in, in the Quad Cities, we had floods you know, every sure, year. Sure, right Some off of Mississippi's right there. Sure. But uh, we had a terrible flood. Uh, I've forgotten what year it was, but we did charter a helicopter, a Bell Jet Ranger. Ooh, it was expensive. And uh, we uh, allocated 75 hours of airtime. We sold it, you know, so sure. it worked fine. Except I said, uh, and I want this to come up as dual instruction so I can get a helicopter ready. <laughs> and I did. And... It was so expensive that I never, ever set foot in another helicopter, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. doing that area. But when we were doing that flood watch, we flew over a small island in the Mississippi River. And I looked down, and it seemed like the whole island was moving. And I said, take it down to see what's over there. So when we get down low enough, the entire island was covered with rats. <gasps> Thousands of rats oh my had God. all ended up on what was the, it wasn't an island, it was the high ground. And I, when I reported that, people in the Quad Cities for years afterwards said, you gave me the heebie-jeebies. Oh. I mean, I, that, I can see that picture in my mind as well. Oh my gosh. That was when you would want to do help me, help me, help me <laughs> <laughs> on the air before you start the day's broadcast. Um, so 
working in in Grand Rapids uh, after coming from San Antonio and uh, Jim Jensen giving us all those opportunities, the one thing that stands out in my mind uh, when I left that first time and he's driving me to the airport, and I think he was feeling self-assured that I was going to take this gig. I was being as nice as I could, but I was just looking around thinking, and um, he goes, so let me, let me ask you a question. He goes, if I mention the word Michigan, what immediately comes to your mind, Dave? And I could only think of one thing, and that was... It's got to be a car. Snow. Oh, snow. Okay. <laughs> snow, because that's all I could think about was that it was going to be cold, it was going to be snowing. And when it did snow that first time when we were there after we moved up, that first winter... Uh, and it snowed really, really hard before we left the radio station. It hadn't been snowing before we got there, but it started while we were on the air. And he came into the studio uh, right before we were getting off the air, and he said, Now, you guys, when you go home, drive really slowly and pump the brakes if you need to. I said, I can't pump brakes. I've got, I've got anti-lock brakes. And he goes, Oh, well, if you get in trouble... Head for the snowbank. <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> drive into a snowbank. <laughs> it'll it'll cushion you a little bit, yeah. So yeah, that was my experience for my wife and me and our kids going to Grand Rapids. But after twenty years, it was it was fantastic. We had a great time up there. Hey, it's a wonderful market. It's a great area. We had friends that had a place in Ludington. Ah, and, beautiful. Uh, we would go up there in the summertime. It was outstanding. Yeah. Dave, great to see you again this week. Thank you, Don. Great to see you, and we'll see you back here next week, I hope. Show enough. Thanks for listening to Radio War Stories. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like us on Facebook at Radio War Stories and call in with your questions or comments here or on Skype. Skype at RadioWarStories.com. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next week.